So you're a political science major at UCSB. I am. <laughs> Perfect. Did you transfer? Were you there all, all the years? Yeah, I've been here for three years, going into my fourth year. Really? What was that experience like? Um, The first year was interesting, definitely. It was an adjustment because it was online. Um, it was definitely a learning curve with making friends and... So that proved to be difficult. But um, yeah, now that I'm going into my fourth year, I think it's been as a whole a positive experience. I've enjoyed it. Do you think it's affected any of your learning now or any of your like full experience? Um, definitely just since the first year was taken away. But at the end of the day, it's like it happened. So I think it was also an adjustment because a lot of the political science exams now are in person and a lot of my friends and other majors are still remote. So mm. that definitely sucks. But no, I think it's been fine after COVID. I don't know. Maybe I've just adjusted without realizing, but I feel like everyone else had to too. Yeah. And for your first year, were you able to make friends through that? You know what? <laughs> I made a few friends, that's for sure. But it definitely was hard at first. I felt lonely. And I think a lot of my other friends who were here since the beginning felt the same way. Mm. Um, and I moved at kind of a weird time. I moved at March of my first year. So it was like everyone had kind of already been there. Um, but I made friends with my housemates and I made friends with people who I'm still friends with today. So yeah, I'm kind of glad I moved at a random time. Yeah. And are you, did you move from far away? I'm from Riverside County. So mm. yeah, it's kind of the perfect amount, like three and a half hours for with traffic. So yeah, I kind of wanted to go to a school that was just as far away, but not too close, not too far. So I think UCSB was perfect distance for me. Yeah, was it your first choice? No. <laughs> UCLA was my first choice, and then they waitlisted me. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to go to UCSD. And then I thought, okay, no, I actually don't want to go to UCSD. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad I chose UCSB, though, at the end of the day. I think I, think I would fit in better here than UCLA and all the competitive that that entails. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what is political science to you? Oh, okay. Well, I think to me, it's a really interesting question. I think for me so far, um, from the classes I've taken, it's just been a mixture of everything. And for me, since I'm American politics and government, um, political science has just been learning about the institutions that shape our society and our, you know, the political institutions that we're made of. So as a whole, I've actually enjoyed political theory better just because it kind of gives me that broader perspective of what political science is. And I took a class this last quarter that just kind of showed me the origins of political science. And so it's really interesting looking back at um, like just ancient Greek texts and seeing what their political institutions and judicial institutions look like um, as compared to today. Okay, I'm going really off topic, but no, that's so good. No, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just been um, 
a mixture of the institutions. And of course, politics is all human-based. So kind of also the corruption involved in politics has been an interesting point of me and obviously a point of contention. So, yeah. Hmm. What What is political theory? Um, I guess just kind of theorizing the origins of politics. And from what I've gathered, obviously politics have been around for forever from everywhere. Um, but I think me personally, I look towards like ancient Greek politics, um, and like, you know, Republic, um, constitution of Athens kind of along those lines. And so, yeah, I think it's just looking back into history and theorizing how that relates to today, I guess, from my perspective. Yeah. And how did you get into that? I originally applied, I think, a psych to UCSB and I was like, okay, I think I want to be in the medical field. And then I was kind of always trying to tie that into, okay, maybe I want to be something related to crime, like a forensic psychiatrist or something like that. And then at the end of the day, I was like, okay, no, I want to be doing something involved in criminal justice or criminal law. So then I thought political science would fit me best. Mm -hmm. And I kind of went through a little phase where I was super invested in politics, which Thank God I'm out of that because I don't want to be anywhere near politics now. Um, But I think that's why I initially applied as poli-sci. Interesting. And you're interested in going into law, correct? Yes. Wow. Well, you said criminal law. Is that what you're interested in? Yeah, I think just criminal. (laughs) Yeah. And and why that? Um, I've done some family law. I've done some, I've kind of been exposed to a bit of everything. And criminal law has only, it's pretty much been the only contender for me. Um, you know, I've always been interested in crime and like unsolved murders and missing persons cases. Um, and it's really interesting because there are a lot in Santa Barbara too. So it's really, it's a little scary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's always just been interesting to me and I would always listen to podcasts and it was always super fascinating to me. So then I thought, what could I do in my future that related to that? And then lawyer. So we'll see. I'm, I'm assuming you've heard your own backyard. Yes, I have. Isn't that with, crazy? Um, oh my goodness, what's her name? Uh, is it Kristen Smart? Kristen Smart. Yeah. That that, that case is crazy. Great. It's scary too because it's kind of ongoing, you know. Yeah, I think they just sentenced that guy. Yeah, yeah but the dad got off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that was. Have you heard of? Um, I think her name is Lacey Peterson. Mm-mm. Is that here? I think it was in Slow, or maybe her and her husband met at slow um but yeah she was eight months pregnant and yeah he murdered her oh no way <laughs> that's what I, as far as i remember that's yeah. pretty much what happened and then they tried to connect that to the Kristen smart case because they all lived in the same dorm <gasps> yeah something along those lines and they were college students at the time as well yeah that when when they met yeah but then they got married and, and she was pregnant dang yeah. and you were saying that there's some in santa barbara do you know can you say any of that are here? Um, like I, I don't know about missing people. But just crimes? Crime, yeah. Like it's crazy seeing it. Um, and even reading about it. You know, you can read the news and it'll be like murder or suicide or assault, whatever it may be. And it, it literally happens every single day. So, you know, there's a lot that's not on the news, but even what the news tells you, it's just happening all the time. Which is also really interesting because I feel like when you think of Santa Barbara, you think of like picture perfect cookie cutter little town and it's just there's crime everywhere so yeah it's interesting like on the first podcast that i did i had the former gang member mm-hmm. that was really interesting yeah. yeah yeah it's like that's pretty much everywhere so 
In, in comparison to Riverside, how is Riverside on the that side of the? Um, <laughs> I don't exactly know. I haven't really had any direct um, involvement in law or the legal field in Riverside, but I feel like there's there's some crazy people in Riverside too, like Riverside County, especially, mm-hmm. and close to there, San Bernardino County. There's always some craziness happening there. But um, yeah, I don't exactly know. I whenever I read the news, it's always something as it is in Santa Barbara in regards to crime, but I don't know. Interesting. And is anyone in your family a lawyer? Did anyone push you towards that direction? Yeah. My dad is actually a police officer. Yeah. So whenever I tell people that I want to be a defense attorney and that my dad is in law enforcement, they're like, huh? (laughs) Um, But we've obviously had our different views and opinions and there's definitely some disagreement there. But I think at the end of the day, he supports it. And honestly, I can attribute my interests to crime to him because he would always come home with the craziest stories. And I was like, whoa, like this is crazy. And so I think that's honestly what got me so invested in crime was like, even though it's from a totally different field that I want to go into and like total opposite end of the spectrum in regards to law, um, I think that's what got me interested in the first place. Interesting. And how, how hard it, are your classes right now at UCSB? Um, you know, honestly, they're fine. I think I'm also minoring in Spanish. So most of my classes at this point are Spanish. Um, but I've enjoyed my political science classes. I think they've been harder in person for obvious reasons. Um, taking exams in person isn't very fun as compared to essays. But yeah, they're not that bad. I think it's just like you know, kind of the banking method of education, if we want to reference Ferrari, which is unfortunate because it's very lecture-based as opposed to dialogue-based, which I feel is um, a lot of other social science majors. But yeah, it's not not too bad, honestly. Interesting. And when you say in law school, isn't it more kind of dialogue? Like there's, you have discussions in the in the class? I don't entirely know. Mm. Um, I think it'll probably be a lot more rigid, which is crazy because poli sci here is already pretty rigid. It's all just the professor talking and then there's not much questioning going on or conversation aside from the occasional section. Um, but I'm hoping I'll be able to be more engaged and hands-on in law school. I don't exactly know. I don't have really any people in my life that are in law school right now, but fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. How are you preparing for that? Mentally, emotionally, and like, you know, everything that comes with it? Yeah, I, well, I'm studying for the LSAT right now. Yeah, it's pretty mind-numbing, honestly. It's like just, it's hard to keep myself accountable, but I'm like, if I want to be an attorney, this is what it takes. And if I want to go to a law school and get some money from a law school, then I need to score good. So I think just like working towards that goal of this is what I want my future to look like and I know a few attorneys um, and I just kind of envisioned myself having a future similar to theirs, which is exactly what I want. So I think just like acknowledging at the end of the day that this is what I want to do. Um, And I'm also taking a gap year. So I think that'll be a good mental refresher for me. Nice. For people that don't know, can you explain what the LSAT is? Yeah. So it's the law school admissions test and you need to take it for pretty much any law school. Actually, you don't have to go to Santa Barbara Law School. So yeah. Um, But it's, I think right now it has four sections. It's logic games, logic reasoning, logical reasoning, um, and reading comprehension. So it's just like, I don't know, the SAT on steroids. <laughs> um, and it's it's kind of like learning a new language where you just have to invest the time and energy. It's not just like 
solving a math problem or memorizing anything. So that's an adjustment for me. Um, but yeah, it's kind of essential. So I'm just dealing with it. Dang. How are you able to find like a, a balance between school and, and life? Um, that's definitely been difficult for me. Um, last quarter I was, um, working a job in an internship and school, which was too much, but I think just kind of prioritizing time for myself at the end of the day, um, and stepping away from it. And I really can't study for the LSAT when I'm super exhausted or my mind's elsewhere. So I just kind of, I'm like, it's okay. Like I have a whole year to study, honestly. So I think just stepping back from it sometimes and, you know, giving myself grace when I need to. Yeah. So you were taking a Chicano studies class, right? Mm-hmm. How did, as, as, are you like an American, mm-hmm. you would say? Yeah. Um, how, how did you feel like learning all those like crazy things that happened in like that community? It was more so shocking just because I'd never heard about it. You know, like how have I been living in California my whole life? And I never heard that Oxnard was only recently desegregated. And how have I experienced um, just such a rigid education growing up and I didn't even realize that that might be wrong. So I think it was just a time for me to reflect. And um, I have a few friends who want to be teachers. And so I'm just like thinking of the ways which in which they're going to implement these practices. So yeah, I think it was just shocking. And I'm so glad I took it though, because you could never find a class like that in the political science department. Yeah. Um, and also just having that dialogue was crazy to me because even in my poli-sci sections, that just doesn't happen. Like mm-hmm. it literally doesn't happen. And hearing everyone's perspectives too. And like a lot of people were from my hometown too. And so it was really interesting to hear their perspectives as opposed to mine growing up and the ways in which they experienced the education system was really interesting to me. Wow. And does that play a role into how you're going to perceive law when you go in there, you think? I think so. I think just recognizing that everyone has a distinct background and, you know, one person might end up in jail because they didn't have parents, um, which led them to addiction or whatever it may be. And then, you know, their classmate didn't end up in jail because they had two parents and they were just handed everything. So I think just having that um, perspective is essential, I think, in any job, honestly, but especially as an attorney, I want to just be cognizant of every single person I'm representing in their background. I think that's important. Just having that empathy too, like I think is important to be an attorney. Yeah. (laughs) Why did you decide to take that class class in the first place? I was looking at all the political science classes offered and I was just like, this is not cutting it for me. So then I looked at the, um, the courses I could petition in other departments. And I was like, oh, I've never taken a Chicano studies class. That would be super interesting. And then I'm glad I took it, honestly. And I wish I could take more classes outside of my major because they're always just so enlightening for me. I feel like poli-sci is very much so, okay, this is what we're learning. You're not going to talk about it really outside of class. And this class for me was like, oh, I want to talk about it to everyone, you know? Yeah. And what would you say are the most like interesting aspects that you've gathered through the political science department at UCSB? Um, I think just kind of learning. I think it's really important to know how politics function in the U.S. in general, but having more of a foreground of that and kind of seeing how all the institutions work and are at play with each other. Like, um, I think what quarter was it? last quarter, for example, I took a class on U.S. political communication 
And so, yeah, seeing like advertising strategies and campaigning strategies and, um, you know, incumbent strategies versus the alternative. Like it was just very interesting to me to see how all that, I just didn't realize, I mean, it should be obvious, but seeing how all that comes to play together was super interesting. Um, yeah. Wow. And there's a like upcoming election, correct? Are you, are you going to be like looking at it through that lens as well with all these things that you're learning? I think so. Yeah. I'm really excited for the upcoming election. I love reading the news and being like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, so yeah, I think so. I think now that I have that knowledge, I'm going to be looking at the debates a little differently and seeing how each candidate strategized differently or, um, how much money they're spending on funding and what Donald Trump is up to. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to be an interesting one because of everything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's quite a bit happening right now. Yeah. Dang, he yeah, he's breaking. He's making history. Yeah, that's for sure. Every single day I read the news, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is he doing today? <laughs> yeah, dang. And in regards to the law, do you find any like interesting aspects, or, or what are you doing now, like to prepare for that? In, in regards to like, are you like looking at definitions, looking up laws, looking up like things like that? Mm-hmm. Are you doing any of that or? I feel like I'm just kind of taking it as it comes. And I think um, like going into law school, I feel like you need to know, okay, what is what is the daily life of an attorney look like? What am I going to be doing every day? And so I've been a legal assistant for about two years now. Um, and I feel like that's what's given me that answer. Like I know exactly what it looks like to be an attorney in practice. And um, so, yeah, I think my job right now as a legal assistant is giving me all of that. And it's kind of showing me it's very specific to what county you're in, I guess, but seeing it in operation in Santa Barbara is interesting. Um, and so I think just, yeah, experience, experiencing um, and just looking at and, you know, drafting all these documents. So when I'm attorney, I might know how to draft it or talking to clients and knowing how to speak with people on the phone and people who are in very time sensitive situations and people who are going through divorce that are super angry. So I think just like knowing how to do everything now so I'm better prepared in my future is important. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. And what is a legal assistant? I feel like I always get asked this question. I never know how to respond, but um, I guess my duties are primarily just corresponding with clients, opposing counsel, opposing parties, um, drafting pleading documents, court documents, writing letters, um, going through discovery and evidence. Yeah, I pretty much, I do quite a bit. Honestly, I pretty much just do whatever my boss throws at me, which is also nice because I never know what the day is going to look like. Um, and some days I go in, into court. Um, yeah, I just started my new job and I've gone into court a couple times, which is way better in person than over Zoom. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I had a um, legal community and the courtroom class for the comm department. And one of my assignments was to go into a courtroom and look at a case. And that was very interesting. How was that? It was, for me, it wasn't that interesting because I didn't know what was happening. And it was really fast paced. It was like one after another. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah. So I didn't really understand the terminology and stuff or, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the full story. Do you go in there all like suited up and stuff? No, I'm in... (laughs) At most business casual, <laughs> but it probably should be. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was sitting in there and I 
I was sitting in the front row, which I don't think the front row is supposed to be for defendants. And so the ladies next to me were talking to me. They were like, oh, what's your name? Kind of like, what are you in here for? And I was like, I feel like I shouldn't be here right now. Um, but yeah, it's super interesting. Do you remember what type of law was going on when you were there? Was it like family, criminal? I think it, it might have been a DUI, if I'm oh. not mistaken. Something to do with alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember that the judge ordered them not to drink. That's or insane. to seek counseling and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, the DUI school in Santa Barbara is called Zona Seca. <laughs> I'm like, why would they name oh, it that? Oh, dry zone. Yeah. I'm like, that's so funny that they named it that. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you ever intimidated by like your boss and that surrounding? No, I feel like um I think my boss right now and my former boss, they've both been very supportive of their employees and they know that their employees want to go to law school. So I think if they were, um, you know, like mean directly to me, it would be, I don't know, um, a negative factor, but yeah, they're, they're very supportive. You know, there's sometimes where in the legal field, people are very stern and they have to be like, if, if you're not talking seriously to a client, they won't take you seriously. So I even feel like I have to be that way sometimes, which isn't always, you know, I like using my little exclamation points but yeah. sometimes you can't so do you ever have you used your spanish yeah i actually in my last job literally everyone in the office spoke they were native spanish speakers and i wasn't so sometimes i'd be on the phone and i was like oh my god i probably sound so stupid right now um but i definitely try like mm-hmm. um at my last law office like probably 70 ish percent of our clients only spoke spanish so half the time I was answering the phone and I was like, oh, shoot, I got to try. Was it like immigration or uh, injury? Or? It was mostly family, but also a bit of criminal. Interesting. And that, yeah, I think we kind of advertised my boss um, speaks Spanish and Portuguese uh. or my former boss. So I, like advertising that I think was super important. And obviously, if you speak Spanish, like you're going to want an attorney that speaks Spanish. Yeah. So that definitely attracted Spanish speaking clients. Interesting. Yeah. Was it difficult getting the grasp of that language? I'm still grasping. <laughs> really? I think, yeah, like I, I'd say I'm at a conversational level and there are still words that I'm like, or phrases from, depending on where a person is from, they'll say something. And I'm like, what? I, I Can you give an up. example? Um, Just slang, I guess. Like I was out with my old coworkers a couple weeks ago and they, they always like say phrases in Spanish and they said something and they were all laughing. And I was like, can someone translate for me? I can't think of an example, but I think it'll just come with in my life i think it'll just come to me yeah interesting and i know i know for different countries they sometimes even use different words for certain things like in some places i think guatemala Mm -hmm. uses uh pajia for a straw and Mm -hmm. then in mexico you say popote yeah yeah it's it's so interesting and my grandpa my grandpa speaks spanish he's in his 80s no way and he's still telling me like it's a lifelong journey. You're still going to be learning things when, you know, you're older. So I think just like having that dedication now and yeah. trying my best. Is he a native speaker or did he pick it up as well? No. Yeah, he picked it up. Interesting. Yeah. Dang. Mm-hmm. So can I hear you say something? Um. Okay. Um. I, oh my gosh. I was I'm like, oh, como estas? But that's, that's so- really good. I think that sounds really good. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I'm trying to think like, it's hard with criminal terminology because sometimes they'll be like, I think, um, like felony and misdemeanor. Is Mm. it like delito? 
Delito. Yeah, it's like delito mayor, whatever. And so it's like hard for me to pick up on. Yeah, that must be tough. Legal language, legal terminology is already like a, you know. I don't even know it in English. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. In Spanish. And then when people would call about their court date, I'm like, I can do that one. (laughs) Yeah, that's so rad, man. That's going to help you out a lot in the future. Are you going to try to continue it as well? Or you think it's going to become too time consuming? It's so hard right now, honestly, because. My Spanish classes aren't too bad, but it's like putting in the effort outside of the classroom is really what matters. Mm. So I, I I definitely need it to be a lifelong thing. Like I didn't come this far just to not be able to speak Spanish. Yeah, you're already good, like good, like you said, conversationalist. Um, mm-hmm. In those classes, do you take, uh, do essays or are you just taking tests? Yeah, it's essays and exams. That's rad. I had a native speaker one, 147 at my CC. Oh, yeah. And it was so boring. Really? It was horrible. I just, we what just like looked at things and did like multiple choice. We never read a book. We never, well, we had a textbook. You could read that, yeah. but it was like asking you like foods and stuff. I was like, whoa, this what? is so weird. For like, native speakers yeah, too? Yeah. Yeah. It was technically like 103. So mm-hmm. it was more advanced, but we didn't do any essays. And I was like, wow. Really? Like, yeah. That sounds awful. We wrote like just words <laughs> and like phrases and stuff. Wow. I wish mine were like that. Yeah. I'm like, whenever I'm running my essays, I'm just like, I know this is wrong. <laughs> Yeah, dang. So what is, are you ever, do you ever like second guess like becoming a lawyer or is that something that you're very passionate and you know you're going to achieve that goal? I know I can achieve it, but for me, I've always been like, whatever my career ends up being, I need a life outside of it. So that's kind of been the main concern for me. So there were, I think a few months ago, I was, my mom's a teacher. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll entertain that. Um, And one of her friends went to law school. I think she went to USC or UCLA. Nice. And then she decided she wanted to be a teacher. So that for me, I was like, oh, shoot. That's what I don't want. I don't want to invest all my time and money. I'm sure she's grateful for that experience. But I'm just like, I, I need to know if that's what I want to do. So that's yeah. why I'm going to take a gap year. Nice. Um, yeah. And I think like teaching has been in the back of my mind. I don't know why I've never really worked with kids, but so I think in my gap year, I want to teach English. So yeah. Just to dabble. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't counting you. I just know how like hard it is. Yeah. Cause I was like, um, you know, tr- thinking about law school. And then really? I, I took that class legal uh, community in the courtroom. And I was like mm-hmm. doing my research on, on law. And I was like, I don't think this is for me. I should have started like a long time ago for, for me yeah. personally. Um, and I had a, a coworker who did law in New York and oh. I know, and I know how hard it is over there. Yeah. And now she works at a grocery store. Um, and she's so happy because she gets to work at night and yeah. surf in the morning. Wow. <laughs> and like she does like a jewelry stuff on the side, oh, cool. like business. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's crazy. I'm like, why did you like decide to leave that? She's like, oh, well, I just wanted to be happy. I was like, damn. <laughs> and I think she was like in corporate law and things oh, like that. Oh, that's was, what like, I cannot. Yeah. I... Yeah, I guess yours is different. Criminal law for sure. You could either yeah. be helping someone. Yeah. Do you do you want to be a prosecutor or do you want to? <laughs> no, I want to be defense. I've definitely gone back and forth in that. And I think for some time at the beginning of my, or definitely for some time, I'll be a public defender or a prosecutor, but definitely leaning towards defense. I, yeah. I just feel like I, I feel like your mind would either operate one way or another. And at least definitely. for now, I'm kind of more on the defense side, or maybe I've just been exposed to that more. Um, 
But I shadowed a public defender in slow for a good amount of time. And so that like public defenders are just slammed with work. And, you know, you kind of just got to take whatever comes your way. And there's always trials going on. So I think I want to start with that. And I'm definitely leaning towards defense. I don't know if I'm not like totally against prosecution, but I, I definitely see myself doing defense. Yeah. Can you explain what a defense attorney would do? Yeah, so a public defender, it's kind of like assigned to you. So if you can't afford to pay for an attorney, um, the judge will kind of ask you, okay, do you want to be assigned counsel? And then you'll be assigned a public defender. Um, But then if you do have money, you can hire a defense attorney, a private defense attorney, (laughs) and they just represent you in your case, whereas the prosecution works for um, the city and they make deals with the defense attorney as to whether or not you're you know, whatever your plea is or basically your punishment. So I feel like I'd rather be on the side of helping people get out of jail and kind of lessening their situation because it's like when you have a felony on your record or wherever it may be, it's just like, why would I not want to help people in that regard? I don't know. Yeah, for that, do you have to start as a public defendant? I don't think you... I feel like every single attorney in Santa Barbara I've met has started, at least in criminal law, if they've started from criminal law. Um, I feel like it's typical to start as a public defender just because you get trial experience and experience in everything. But um, you don't have to start as a public defender. You can work for another law firm. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And is there a lot of women representation in the legal field? You know, it's really interesting because, well, I've worked for two women attorneys so far. So that's been great. Um, (laughs) And it's interesting because sometimes I'll walk in a courtroom and it's all women, including the judge. And then other times it'll be all men. But I feel like actually my supervisor at the ACLU, they were both women too, which is cool. But um, it's interesting because in my political science classes now, I feel like it's majority, it's male dominated for sure. But seeing that translate into the courtroom, I feel like at least in Santa Barbara, it's it's pretty even, I think. And um, looking at law schools, too, when you look at their acceptance or their new classes, it's pretty even, too, which is good to see. <laughs> yeah, that must be motivating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love seeing women in any positions of power. So it's exciting. Yeah. And since I know that in law school, you don't actually focus on one specific type of law, right? Mm -hmm. So if you did go to law school, do you think there there would be another option for you besides criminal law that you would be interested in? Um you know what, probably, but as of now, I've I've kind of been exposed to I've been exposed to a lot of family law. And I'm pretty sure that's not what I'm gonna be doing. Um just because it's it's a lot of financial work as well, going through divorce, spousal support, child support. And so that I don't like about it. Um, And then civil law, I haven't had much exposure, but Mm. immigration law, I definitely considered too. I don't know. I feel like it'll come with experience, honestly. Criminal law, you seem a lot very passionate about that. I was just (laughs) curious. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Dang. And what was it like growing up with the father was in law, that was in law enforcement? Did you ever like fear that something would happen to him? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, growing up, it was interesting because sometimes like my mom and I would be sitting watching the TV and we'd see my dad or we'd be looking for my dad or something at some huge event that was going on or riot or whatever. So oh. it was definitely scary. And um, especially when he worked at night, it was scary. But 
I think that's definitely what bonds my dad and I too, is having that we're both so interested in it, even though we're on totally opposite um, ends of the spectrum where we both have that commonality where it's like, oh my gosh, like this robbery happened, Brooke. And I'm like, oh my gosh, tell me about it. So it's cool to have that um, similarity between us, but it definitely growing up was a bit scary when he was working like on the streets. Yeah, I could imagine like, like you said, even here things happen. I can only imagine over there. Riverside's pretty crazy. LA, you know? Yeah. That's insane, man. Hmm. So what are some things that you do in Santa Barbara just to like to keep sane? Um, I really like hiking. I don't do it enough because I don't know why, but I really like hiking. Um, I love, I feel like this is such a basic response, but I love going to the beach. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I love going to the beach. I attempted surfing last summer, so I really want to try again this summer. I didn't go too well last summer, but maybe this summer will be different. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Things outdoorsy, yeah. that's pretty cool. I like, yeah, but I don't go outdoors enough, honestly. Yeah, is it because of school? Or is it because it's kind of like hard sometimes getting that drive to like I'm gonna go for a hike today, you know? Yeah. Unless you're doing it all the time, it's just like oh, like I could just chill and like you know. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's honestly both because sometimes like my friends are all doing something and I'm just like oh my gosh, I really want to go, but I can't. Mm. And so I feel like it's a mixture of that. And also sometimes it'll be Sunday and I'll be sitting on the couch watching TV with my friends and we all talk about doing something, but then we all just stay on the couch for the rest of the day. So probably a mixture of both, honestly. Yeah. And then um, do you live in IV? Yeah. What's your yeah. experience been living in, living in IV? Um, it's been, it's been a net positive. <laughs> um, this past year I've lived, I lived on DP and it was next no to- No way. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It was really in the thick of it. It was next to like a frat satellite. Oh, the amount of nights I had to buy earplugs and they didn't do much either. (laughs) Um, So that was definitely hard. They would be loud. I like, it would be midnight on a Wednesday or something. And they're all, I look over and they're doing keg stands or something. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's go to bed boys. Um, But yeah, I feel like I've, all my living situations have been very different in themselves, but each one I've kind of lived on different streets. So it's been cool. Yeah. Were you expecting that type of environment when you were coming over here? I feel like I, I didn't like ever go to parties in high school. So mm. coming here, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was kind of entertaining the idea. Um, but yeah, moving here, it was just like when I first moved here, I lived, you know, the transfer dorms off of the yeah. yeah, I lived like behind there in mm. a townhouse. So I didn't really get that experience my first year. Um, but then as I made more friends, <laughs> last year was more social. And I liked where I lived. It was kind of in the heart of IV. So. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot a lot in IV. Does, do you live? I'm assuming you live in IV. I live by In-N-Out. Oh, no way. Okay, yeah. so you commute to school? Yeah, I drive. It's, oh, okay. it's like five minutes. Oh, that's yeah. so Yeah. Do you nice. know where in and out is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like five minutes. Right in. by the Starbucks, right? Yeah, exactly. I used to work there. Really? How was that? It was good. I mean, I, in where I'm from, I worked there with, um, like, I worked there with one of my best friends who, actually, she goes here now. But, um, yeah, so that was really fun. And I was really close with all my coworkers. And then moving here, it was kind of like a new environment. And I was 
kind of shifting over to wanting to have experience in the legal field. So I was only there for a couple of months, but it was good. Yeah, is it crazy? I know the lines get insane. It, it was so awful when I first started. I had to, I was kind of in charge every few days of like scooching the lines up. So I'd have Whoa. to stand out there and be like, okay, can you move up? Because you're not, you're supposed to be ticketed if you're, you know, yeah. on the street, which yeah. is, it's kind of like the Chick-fil-A where they had to close it down. I feel like there yeah. needs to be readjusting with the Starbucks. They just like tore down Chick-fil-A or the parking lot oh. to adjust for that. I think they're going to do a three lane system and no parking at all oh. is what I'm hearing. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know why there's. They should just have it, I feel like, just drive through. Like, wouldn't that? Yeah, I really wonder. I know there's a lot of, like, you know, things that they have to go by. And I think it was already set, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, and the one that, that there's been two owners for that Chick-fil-A. And the one that's there now, like, you know, mm-hmm. got it after her, so. Yeah, I'm really hoping they open up soon. <laughs> yeah, dang. So you, do you get, now is the point, did you want to talk about your internship? Yeah, or did I you want to not? Yeah, I can talk about my internship. Cool, yeah. Okay, so I interned for the ACLU jails team. So it was kind of, or it was dealing with jails conditions in LA County Jail, which is super interesting because LA County is the largest jail system in the nation. So it was it was really crazy. I was just listening to kind of firsthand accounts of incarcerated people's experiences in jail, anything from assault to mental and medical health care. Um, people would go days with no mattresses or they'd be chained at the reception center. Um, and there's still ongoing litigation with that. So definitely something to follow up with, but it was crazy, honestly. And I think I needed that perspective and I still want to continue seeing that perspective, you know, if I'm going to be an attorney one day. Yeah. Dang. That's crazy. And do you, you're like seeing these people, like people that are jailed? Yeah, it would be over the phone. So I would Mm. listen over the phone to their um, complaints. And then I would basically just type it up and send it to the sheriff's department. That's interesting, man. Yeah. Do you know, are there any laws that kind of shock you? I feel like more so the lack of... Like in LA count, not just laws, but um, like, I guess just precedent set mm. because there's just like people would be chained. This is all pre-trial too. These are all people who haven't been convicted mm. in the reception center. And so they would be sitting there for days, like in feces and trash for days. Yeah. That's crazy. And there was just no oversight really. It was just like. Or it still is. Yeah. And so um, I need to keep up with it, but I think the judge just came, they kind of came to a settlement or an agreement um, where no one can be chained for more than, I think it's like 12 hours or something. So, you know, I have a lot of hope for the future. And my boss or my former supervisor at the ACLU is an amazing attorney. And she's um, one of the people that's kind of heading this litigation. So, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Like, what the jails can get away with. Yeah, I mentioned that because in that uh, class I was taking court, uh, legal community in the courtroom, the, he, the professor brought up a law or the California statute for uh, sexual assault. Oh. And like one of the first like things that they say is like no one that is mentally disabled and, and it goes on to like mention certain things is able to give consent. So it's saying like people that have like a mental disability aren't ever allowed to have sex legally. Isn't that crazy? So if you have like, 
if you're a high functioning autistic person or, or someone that's like, I don't know, legally disabled mm-hmm. mentally, I think le- legally they're not allowed to give consent is what it said that they, they can't because of yeah. their mental disability is it's like, it says it in the statute. I'm not like just like yeah. making it up. It says it in the statute. It's like, where you can't really go around that. But I think it's meant to protect them because, you know, yeah. some people actually can't, but it also messes up a little bit. Yeah. So they would just automatically be deemed incompetent to make their own. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And same with it, when it talks about people under the influence, you are never, you can't take, you can't um, give consent if you're mm-hmm. under the influence. Yeah. So isn't that crazy? If like two people or two partners that mm-hmm. would technically be illegal that's what i was like like you know because yeah. laws could get so tricky it's very yeah it's crazy it's like it's very case specific too which is super interesting and like even mips it recently got changed i think what are mips uh minor in possession oh, which dang. is like super common in IV. yeah um, but it, i think <laughs> it used to be that you'd have your license suspended for a year dang. and now you just for the most part Sometimes they get, you know, they slip through the cracks and they're not even filed. But um, now pretty much you just pay a fine and it goes as a traffic citation. Interesting. Yeah. And how do you feel about that? Is that something positive or something negative you would say? I think it's positive. I don't think anyone's record should be compromised or driving, you know, ability should be compromised for even carrying alcohol under the age, you know, especially in a place like Isla Vista. I feel like they want to get as many people cited as possible where it's like if everyone just took a little step back you know i wonder yeah. how it would look yeah because i'm not like trying to promote it but it, it's kind of you know within the culture it's yeah. it's bound to happen one way or another yeah and yeah. it's interesting because one of my best friends goes to ucla and you just won't see police officers anywhere and when i tell her about oh you can't carry that here even if we're walking two houses down she's just, she's like isn't that crazy yeah and she's like oh you're fine to do that here like we're just walking down the street or you know it's just crazy how it's so much more enforced here than it used to be yeah they're actually i think i don't know i don't know how far they are into it they want to take down the police Mm -hmm. force in in iv yeah that's very interesting i know it's it's crazy too because um my dad came to Ivy, oh my gosh, I don't know, like the 90s, the 80s for a Halloween party. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> and he was saying like couches were on fire. It was just crazy. I just, it sounded crazy. And um, one of my friend's brothers also was here in the 90s and he was just telling me about the parties then. And it sounded crazy, which I, I don't know which is better now or then, but it's just so interesting to think about like if there wasn't, as much of a presence, especially like, cause the noise ordinance too, that mm-hmm. I find that ridiculous. Like midnight on a weekend, I don't know. Um, so I'm just so curious, what would today look like if there wasn't as much police presence, you know? It'd be crazy. Yeah. I mean, for big parties, like the Halloween party, I know like there was a lot of out of, out of towners and stuff. Yeah, and Altopia. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Do you know why like all that stopped? All of what? Like the Halloween and Deltopia. Do you know why all those stopped? I think just police presence. Like this year for Deltopia, they had checkpoints. Oh, dang. Yeah. Some of my friends came from out of town. I think there was one way in without a checkpoint. Interesting. But I got stopped. They were like, where do you live? 
and I told them and then they let me go. So there was actually two reasons, more or less, two big reasons why it started to get like cracked down on. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a riot, I think in 2014 during man was it halloween or it might have been halloween or deltopia there was riots and they like they hit a cop with like a bottle oh and that's like that was what they say is like the last good year somewhere around there i don't know if it was 2014 but they hit someone there was like a huge riot oh wow yeah and my brother was there and i think yeah i think a month later is when the iv shooting happened oh yeah okay that'll do it yeah yeah so then they like phased it out yeah, it's crazy too because like Flowtopia used to happen and even now I feel like so many people not so many people but there's at least one person who dies every year falling off a cliff at a party or That's so like crazy that. and you don't really hear about that on the news. No. Yeah. You really don't. Why is that? Why do you think? I don't know. I honestly it's it's like I feel like we should be getting emails about this. Maybe not from the school because I don't know. I don't know how that would work, but it, it totally isn't publicized. And whenever I feel like I find out about these types of incidents, it's always on Twitter or something. Interesting. You know? Yeah, I feel like this past Deltopia, someone overdosed on fentanyl and passed yeah. away. And I didn't know until there was this presenter in my class. She was a director of a mortuary. Mm-hmm. And oh, you, wow. isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's so like all the people. Yeah, it's so sad. There's always something every year, whether it's the cliff or drugs. It's yeah. so sad. That's crazy. Would you ever be interested in kind of going into policy after a career in criminal law? I don't think so. No? (laughs) No, I used to want to be a politician. And I don't know why I ever wanted to be a politician, because now I just would not. I feel like there's politics involved, honestly, to some extent in every job, like even being an attorney and whatever county you're in, there's definitely courtroom politics so i don't know i just don't really like i don't know i just don't see myself doing that ever on this maybe i'll feel differently after mm-hmm. yeah because then you'll have all that knowledge you'll have that back and you'll be yeah. a lawyer you know maybe a judge dude that'd be rad <laughs> yeah but again i need some free time so yeah maybe not <laughs> yeah interesting dude yeah how do you feel about law school do you, do you think it's gonna be so intense yeah i i've i feel like i've spoken um, with a good amount of attorneys and every single one of them is like, it's, it was the worst few years of my life. It's going to be awful. I wouldn't do it again. Yada, yada, yada. So that's not promising, but, um, I, I mean, there's no other way to get there. So I just, you know, have to suffer for a few years and I don't want to do corporate law, which I think is good because it's only three years of suffering as opposed to nine, 10 years of just hardcore however, 80 hour work weeks. So it'll definitely still be tough for the first probably 10 years of my career or the rest of my life. But yeah. Yeah. Do criminal um, lawyers make good money? Yeah. I mean, public defenders and prosecutors are definitely not paid as much as they should be, in my opinion. Um, But the private law firms and the private defense attorneys, private attorneys in general, they definitely make more because they can charge more. And if they're Mm. more... If they're very esteemed attorneys, you know, well-known in the area, then they're definitely racking up the clients and the money. Yeah. Are there any cases that stand out to you? Like in in criminal law, like not this one specifically, but like the OJ case, you know, things like in in that vein that were, you know, criminal law. Yeah. 
I feel like I go through phases where I'm super invested in a certain case. Like I went through a little fascination with the OJ trial. Um, I don't know. I definitely was invested in Kristen Stewart and Lacey Peterson just because they were so close to here. Um, and anything. Kristen Smart? Sorry, Kristen, Kristen Stewart. <laughs> That's a uh, Twilight. Twilight. Right? Oh my God. I was like, did she die? <laughs> <laughs> She's so kicking. Um, yeah, I feel like just more local cases I'm always fascinated in. I'm trying to think right now of um, one that was kind of hit close to home was, I think it was in Riverside. Oh, actually, um, have you heard of the, what are their names? Um, the Turpins? Mm-mm. They were living, I think they were in Riverside County. Um, and one night I was out with a couple friends. We were like stargazing or whatever in high school. And we were out super late. And I think it was the next day or a couple days later, we read the news. And we were less than a mile away from the house where basically these two parents held all their kids captive for their entire lifetimes. They would chain them up. They abused them. They were just entirely malnourished. And the night we were there... The day we were there, I don't remember. Um, one of the children escaped from the house and reported to a neighbor, or whoever, and then it was all reported to police. And now both the Turpin parents are in jail. So that one just hit close to home because I was there. And then at the time, I was volunteering at the hospital where a lot of the children were treated. So it was just weird reading the news and having such a close association to that, I guess. I did hear about that. Yeah. Weren't they like keeping them in really like foul conditions? Yeah. Was it cages? Was that them? Something. I don't I don't really remember the details, but it was bad. Yeah. It was really freaky too. They would go to Vegas and have like Elvis weddings and looking at all the pictures of all their kids. They had so many kids. So sad. That's crazy. Is there anything you want to touch on or anything that, you know... That's on your mind. Uh, I feel like I want to ask you questions, but it's your podcast. <laughs> yeah, you can ask me questions because I feel like that 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 would be a good discussion yeah. because we both come from different cultures. Yeah. So I think that'd be fascinating. Where are you from again? I'm from Santa Barbara. Sa- oh, okay. That's why you're commuting, right? Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Wow, that's yeah. super close. I was going to ask you another question. I just forgot it. Oh, what's your major? I think I'm doing talking. communication. Okay. Yeah, right. it's pretty cool. It's like, yeah. I know you just have to like, it's helped me a lot understand how people obviously communicate, you know, mm-hmm. facial expressions, like nonverbal communication, their tone and stuff. And I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy. And once you know that, like how they communicate, it like falls on other things like psychology, sociology, right? As well. Like if someone like starts like getting mad, you just have to realize like, you know, it's whatever. That's them. Like let them be. And like if you're you stay cool, you're good. Like as long as they don't hit you or whatever yeah. is what I'm saying. Like if you have an interaction with someone and they're like raising their voice, you just know how to react better to certain situations, like be a little more calm, understand things, kind of slow things down in your mind. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really helped me a lot, especially with the podcast. Yeah. I feel like I always, whenever someone tells me they're a communications major, my follow-up question is, Oh, what is that? <laughs> I feel like that was a perfect answer. Yeah. It's very broad. You could do a lot with it. I know a lot of people do uh, marketing. They mm-hmm. do sales. Yeah. doesn't sound fun at all. So no. I don't know, but I was kind of like a little too late to the game. Like I was saying earlier, um, no one in my family went to college. Obviously mm-hmm. uh, I've like talked about it so much on this podcast. Um, but I, I went to college, right? I went to CC like a year after high school because someone like was pushing me to go. Mm-hmm. And um, I went, I was like trying to figure it out. I did GEs and stuff. 
And I was like, oh man, I really need to pick something. So I chose American Sign Language. And I got my, like, all my, like, stuff was through that. Um, I was a tutor and stuff. I was, like, really good, involved more or less with the community. You know, I would go to deaf community nights or deaf events is what they called them. And, you know, like, just talk with people using sign language. And then COVID happened. I was going to go to California State Northridge because they have one of the best, like, um, programs in the in California mm-hmm. regarding interpreting. And that's what I wanted to do, I thought, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, and then I was like, fuck, I probably shouldn't waste my money. Not that that, that major is a waste of money. I'm saying, like, during COVID online, yeah. learning wouldn't have been the best choice. So I was like, all right, I'll stay here and I'll see if I could find another major and not waste my financial aid. Yeah. So I just calm and I was like, oh, I like my public speaking class that I had to take for GE. And I did that and I was like, whoa, this is actually pretty cool. I understood like the research behind it, um, you know, the methods in which they gather data and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just took an organizational membership class. Very fascinating. It has to do with, um, you know, people in organizations like you being a member. Like, what does that look like? Generational differences in the workplace like someone and it goes as far as like baby boomers um what is it gen z Mm -hmm. millennials and then generation i don't know Mm -hmm. i forget what they're called um but yeah so we they were talking about that they talked about like um uh entrance like when you enter an organization what does that look like um and how you exit like how you get fired uh or is it you leaving so things like that just so fascinating that communication plays so many roles like you could do organizational calm which i think i'm mostly interested Mm -hmm. there's like persuasion and stuff the courtroom people communicate just seeing how they are like i i was there and i mentioned in my paper that they were on zoom which is called uh, computer mediated communication and how does that affect um, the way they communicate mm-hmm. and the the example I use in the courtroom, I went to the superior court down here in the courthouse, like right next to him. And uh, I think he was an attorney. I'm pretty sure. Otherwise, why would he be talking? He was definitely not like, you know, just a random guy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, fuck. And he, and everyone just started <laughs> laughing. They're like, oh, like your mic's on. So yeah. like, you know, that's how it affected. That's what like computer mediated communication made that happen because he thought he had muted it or he was on mute or whatever that would have never had happened if it was just in traditional um person to person so yeah. it's it's interesting just seeing those different lenses and stuff and how like you um there's this thing called uh like whether you are likely or not likely to do something based on someone's communication towards you verbal nonverbal things like that yeah, yeah. commuter uh, wow, that's so interesting. Computer-mediated communication. Yeah, Zoom. I wonder why, like, the word mediation in that is super interesting. I don't know. Because that's so true. I feel like so many times attorneys will accidentally unmute themselves and they're talking. Please put your mic on for our sake. Secondhand embarrassment. Um, but yeah, that's so interesting, actually. I feel like I'm always asking people what they want to do with their communication with major, and they always give me such a different response. So that's interesting. Yeah, I'm still not sure what I want to do, but I think this was my this was like I had to basically. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm 24. I'm not like the oldest student there, mm-hmm. but you know, I think it was time and dude, comms actually pretty sick. Like it's allowed me to gather my skills for mm-hmm. communication, I mean for this podcast and ask questions and, you know, 
network with people. So that's been really cool. Yeah. Did you do Com 88 here or did you get that done? Before? I did it at CC. I went to this oh, Santa Barbara City College. Okay, yeah. Good. Was it awful? It was fun. <laughs> really? I loved it. I love oh. research. I, I'm a, I'm, I was a research assistant in my past quarter. But yeah, super easy. I aced both the classes. I think also because I had a cool relationship with the guy. Like, yeah. I was like, I don't know, I guess... I'm weird. So like I bring a different perspective. Like I, I kind of want to think outside the box, like use examples that are weird and things like that. Think about it through a different perspective and research. It's very interesting. They just say like, how do, how do people conduct research? How do like something that comes out of people's uh, mouths, written, whatever it may be, how do you interpret that into, you know, anything basically, or, or you know, data again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. Do you, do research at all? No, I I want to, but I'm just kind of trying to figure out when I would do that. Yeah. But I've always been super interested in that. I was looking into positions, um, into research positions when I was looking for an internship. And I feel like a lot of the research positions in the political science department, I know we have a few cool ones, but <laughs> none of the ones I've seen have really sparked my interest. I don't know. But yeah. I want to. Yeah, you could do it in different uh, departments. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. I was looking at one. I forget what it was. Oh my gosh, I literally forget what it was about. But there are some really cool ones in other departments that I was interested in. I'm just trying to figure out where that's going to fit in my schedule. <laughs> yeah. So if you feel comfortable, I just thought of a question. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about like the term white privilege as a white person? Um, I mean, I hold it as a reality and a truth. I think um I feel like especially in the legal system, it's mm. seen all like in in a lot of cases, um, it's very prevalent and it exists. So I think being an attorney and working in a courtroom setting, I kind of have to have that acknowledgement. Um, and I feel like that just holds true on like, oh my gosh, what is the word I'm searching for right now? On an institutional level, mm. it's very much so institutionalized, although it might not be surface level um white privilege is yeah it's very institutional in the u.s and in every other country honestly so yeah and it's sad because it's kind of a double-edged sword because then sometimes you know white people miss out on certain opportunities Mm -hmm. because people are trying to make up for you know Mm -hmm. the other aspect of it so it's it's definitely a double-edged sword because i've seen like people not get into certain schools because just because they're white and that's kind of yeah that's kind of messed up but then you also have to think about the other side it's like oh dang like that's also kind of messed up and it's good that they got in but like at at what cost yeah Mm -hmm. that is yeah i feel like things like that I'm, i'm always thinking about like where do i stand on that but at the end of the day it's like things like affirmative action i don't know i feel like if we if we held affirmative action, it's all, it's difficult too, because the kind of precedent case for that, it's like the guy was mad. I forget what school it was, but he was, it was because of his race, because he was white. Right. But it's like, he's also giving an opportunity to someone else who comes from a totally different background who can probably provide a whole different perspective. So I don't really know where I stand on that. I think about things like that all the time. It's so complex. Like, where do you stand? Because as a Mexican, obviously, like, oh, this is so great. I Because I got into UCSB, I got into UC Davis, UC Santa Cruz, and UCLA. Mm-hmm. Like, would that no have way. happened if I was, you know, just another person? Because I think my GPA was 3.76. Mm-hmm. And there's countless people with 4.0s and above 
that, you know, don't get in, you know? And again, like where you, it's so complex. It yeah. really is. And to be too far to one side is, is, would be, I guess, the wrong decision. In my opinion, I think you just have to like be in the middle more or less and kind of just understand because yeah. it is very complex and you don't want to see either people suffer. But unfortunately, that seems to be the reality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I know I always, there's always gray areas for topics like that for me. I'm like, I should really think about that more. Yeah. Kind of like, um, like prison abolishment. Yeah. I, I we have, like, do we have the most prisoners per capita? I in, believe so in the United States. Oh, in the, yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that exact statistic, but I, I feel like that's probably true just because mass incarceration in the U S is on another level. But yeah. yeah, I'm always thinking about that too. Like, I don't, I don't, think I stand for complete abolishment, but also I am an advocate for decarceration efforts. So it's like, yeah. where do I stand? I don't know. I was about to ask about that. We, I feel like we need a better reform system. Yeah. Or is that the correct term? Like where you, they come out and there's a better like support system for people that are coming out Yeah. or prevention systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think rehabilitation mm. post-incarceration is important. And when I was leaving my um, last internship at the ACLU, that was something I tried to kind of end with. I tried to give them a bunch of resources for people post-incarceration. Um, and I think, well, LA County is huge, so I'm not sure how widely available it is, but they have a lot of programs for like mental and medical health care, even jobs, providing people with um prior convictions, like jobs in construction or whatever it may be. Or if you're a dad and you just got out of jail, parenting classes. So I feel like things like that are what we need for people to, you know, stay, like to stay out of jail. But then it's like the funding from that comes from where, and then people don't want to pay more taxes for that, or they don't want their money going towards like housing on Skid Row, for example, in LA. That's a huge issue because people don't want to pay for that because for whatever reason and yeah there's there's a lot with decarceration what do you think again another complex thing because i feel like if you're in a box like you know your your psyche is definitely gonna you know deteriorate Mm -hmm. and you're gonna come out probably worse than you went in depending on how long you were there and i definitely think there should be some better rehabilitation But I feel also the prevention, like a a prevention system needs to be in place. And it's, I don't know, sometimes it's also like um, case by case basis is difficult. I know there's like people incarcerated for marijuana, right? Still. And even though it's legal, it's still federally legal, right? Federally illegal. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that starts when it starts at childhood, you know, yeah. like where people grew up, where their neighborhoods heavily policed, how were their interactions with police officers in their neighborhood? Or um, did they go to school? Do they have both parents? So it's like things like that are hard to be preventative, especially on a case by case basis. But yeah, as we were learning about, oh, I forget her name. It wasn't Karen. Anyways, we were learning about that presenter in our class, mm-hmm. remember? And she had a bunch of roses and each rose was like, one of her friends dying. Yeah. Right. And like, she was able to come out of that. And I believe she has three kids and she's a PhD student. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Stories like that are just, it's like, 
it's it honestly makes me sad because it's like, oh my goodness, think about all the people that could look exactly like her, but they just weren't giving, given the right resources or materials or whatever they may need, or they had a poor experience while incarcerated or, you know, whatever it may be. It's so crazy how it just totally, one, depends on the person, but also their circumstance and their situation. Mm. So you mentioned Skid Row. In Riverside, is there a lot of a big homeless pro- problem? Yeah, yeah, Riverside. Um, there are parts of Riverside that are better and worse. Where I'm from, there's not as much as a problem, but downtown Riverside, it, there's definitely a really bad homeless issue. It's like you'll be driving and you'll just see tents everywhere and homeless people sleeping on the streets. It's crazy. Yeah, LA, Santa Barbara, San yeah. Francisco is really bad. I wonder what the end result is going to be. I really do because I know they put billions and billions of dollars into mm-hmm. people or into the homelessness issue, whether it be hiring people or like doing things. And, you know, it's kind of scary because it's been so long. It's it's kind of a messed up issue. What do you do? Mm-hmm. How do you do it? You know? It's interesting too, because like after the war on drugs, there was no one out on the streets, but then they're all incarcerated. So looking towards a solution is also difficult because when we look at the past, we had solutions and they worked to get people off the streets. But then what does that look like inside of the jail where we don't see? So I don't know. It's interesting. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't around way back when, but the homelessness now is just been, it's just out of control. It's so sad to see. And it's like, what can we do about it? And how can we as a community help that. And we had those, you remember when we had those little houses in IV? Um, I'm not sure. They were like, it was in um, the park around the loop. Yes. That I was yeah. thinking about because it, it was fenced off, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then they that picked up and left. Yeah. So it's like, where did they go? <laughs> yeah. And now everyone, it's nice to provide temporary housing, but at the end of the day, like, did they help them rehabilitate? Did they help? The, I don't know. So very complex issues because at times, you know, there's help that's offered and they don't want to take it because they have to follow certain rules. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I think there are starting to be, or in the recent past, better resources for people, especially post-incarceration with housing help. But I don't know. It's like, it's sad, honestly, especially in Santa Barbara. The homeless population is huge here too. So it's as pretty of a city as it is. And with the beach right there, there's still a huge issue with homeless. Yeah, and there's a lot of vacant, um, you know, housing mm-hmm. in America. So it's crazy to see that not being utilized, potentially maybe because they want a profit yeah. or maybe they don't want ho- homeless people going into those spaces. Yeah. Yeah, because it, always, it always comes down to the question of who's paying for it, mm. which I feel like people who are opposed to maybe higher taxes would argue. So it's like. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. Are there any issues you're really passionate about? Um, I feel like I'm passionate about a lot of things, honestly. Please. Just, it it um, has been an hour, but you can Oh, go, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to think of other unique things. Oh, I guess um, I'm in a sorority at UCSB. You are? Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to get someone on here that's really? in a sorority. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you have time to talk about it? Yeah, I have time. All right. It's 620. Let me know if there's any time. Okay. What's it like being in a sorority? It's so interesting because coming in UCSB, I was always like, I am not running a sorority. <laughs> like, I am, I'm not a sorority girl, whatever. Um, and here I am. So 
I think one of the reasons why I wanted to join a sorority was because I was living at home and I thought it would give me friends, which it did. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I've made a lot of my close friends I've met through my sorority, honestly, or through friends of people in my sorority, which has been nice. And I like having that sense of kind of community within a community, which is nice. Um, But there are definitely aspects of Greek life as a whole and being in a sorority that you know, I dislike and that my friends dislike. So that has been kind of a weird position to be in where you're involved in something that you really like, but also you have to acknowledge the broader issue at hand that mm-hmm. you're involved in, you know? Yeah. So. And uh, what is the point of like sororities and fraternities, would you say, through through like your experience? Yeah. yeah. Well, for me, I joined, I never, it's really interesting. I don't even know why I joined because I never wanted to be in one, but yeah, I think it was honestly making friends, which people in sororities or fraternities might be like, no, it's all about whatever, the community, but you you join because, you know, you see other people doing it. Um, But it does keep me super, I feel like I'm always doing things for my sorority. Like we always have philanthropy things going on or things with other sororities where I get to meet people. And um, some of my best friends are on the executive. I don't even know what it's called, the executive board. So through them, I get to kind of see um, an inside perspective, which is interesting and kind of see what's going on, what changes are being made, which is kind of why I'm still hanging on. (laughs) Did you have to do the rush thing? No, well, I did it online. So I, (laughs) I like talked to a few people on FaceTime and then they were like, okay, you know, you're in. So interesting. (laughs) Thank God. Do you have like roles or duties that you are assigned? No, I, I'm on two committees. So I'm on DEI committee, which um, one of my best friends is our DEI chair. And then I'm on sustainability committee, which we haven't really been doing much now, but we were the first, I think we were the first Greek house in California to be green certified. So it's, yeah, you have to go through this checklist. And so after that, I haven't done much on that, but man, you should go into environmental law. No, no, I thought about it. Yeah, that one seems very tricky as well. Yeah. Yeah, what what other aspects are there of, like, you know, Greek life? I, I definitely think there's a negative aspect, which is the obvious racism, homophobia, which I've, I mean, obviously at UCSB, I've definitely seen that, like, firsthand, even with some of my own friends. And so we've kind of been having issues of why are we even still a part of this when this is going on? Um, and you know, our sorority was founded before the light bulb existed by a white Protestant woman and only white Protestant women were, you know, allowed to join. So it's like, it's, it's weird celebrating aspects of that in Greek life, but also I think I'm still in it because I'm trying to work towards a more inclusive environment in a sorority. Um, and my sorority is definitely kind of leading that at our school. It's still not where it should be and there are still occasions where i'm like what is going on like (laughs) i don't know yeah what do people think when you say oh i'm in a sorority it honestly depends on who i'm around you know when when i'm with people who are also in a sorority or fraternity they're like oh my gosh what sorority are you in but when i'm with people who are like i don't fuck with greek life (laughs) it's kind of uncomfortable not uncomfortable but it's just like when i tell them they're like you're in a sorority i feel like people usually don't expect it yeah you look so professional (laughs) yeah i'd be or like casual yeah i i feel like it's honestly interesting too because so many people in my sorority are doing such cool amazing things Mm. and i've 
we have this huge national alumni network where I've been able to speak with people who are attorneys who were in Theta. So that's also been really cool for me because I would have never had these perspectives from people in mm. different states. Yeah. Interesting. I guess that is another quest, but you're able to network with people, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've met so many people who were in my sorority at UCSB. And then I studied abroad and one of my closest friends that I made there was also in Theta at her school. So yeah, it's cool to just have that commonality. Where'd you study? Uh, Barcelona. How was that? It was super cool. I, I definitely didn't take advantage of using my Spanish enough just because a lot of my, all my housemates were from, or went to school in California. So it was like, I definitely should have done a better job at attempting to make friends who only speak Spanish. Yeah. But, was it a culture shock arriving to an, another country? Um, yeah, my first few weeks, it was rough because I don't know. It was just like, oh my gosh, I'm in this new country and I'm here for four months and I only know a couple of people and I'm taking new classes, but um, it was definitely the most, I'd say, transformative period of my life just because I left it being like, wow, I have so much more knowledge about the world. And I got to travel a lot which before I ran out of money. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was just super cool being exposed to all these different cultures and people and languages and currencies. So yeah, it was great. Yeah. Were you able to go to other European nations or countries? Yeah, I went to, I went to Portugal. Mm. I actually missed my flight, but I mm. went by myself, which was cool. I got to kind of have a little solo trip. I went to Morocco, which was super cool. That was, I think that was my favorite. Um, where else did I go? I went to Croatia. Mm. I was in Austria for a day. Dang. I went to Italy. And it's crazy too, because flights around Europe are like- Cheap. Yeah. My <laughs> flight to Portugal was, I think it was 40 something. Shut up. And my hostel was $10 a night. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know here they're like three and above. Right? Maybe even four. Yeah, my parents are trying to, they were trying to visit here for a weekend and- all the hotel, even the Motel 6 before they're staying, it's like $350 minimum. That's crazy. I know. Yeah. Even in LA, they're starting to get expensive, like 100 Yeah. That's crazy. It's such a scam, honestly. Inflation. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to touch on? <laughs> I am trying really hard to think right now. I can't. Anything you can think of? <laughs> no, I just, I just want to make sure that I'm not like holding you hostage. No, I have nothing going on. So time isn't an issue, but I'm trying to think. Yeah, are there any other issues or any beautiful aspects of life that you focus on? Like, Ooh. you know, whether it be, I know you said like creative aspect, yeah. that you don't really focus on that. But yeah. Um, I think just the relationships in my life are what hold me together and what mm. kind of keep me composed. Just be, I feel like that kind of goes safe for everyone. But yeah. um, just like having people in my life that I surround my, that I choose to surround myself with keeps me up and a lot of my friends have similar goals to me, whether they want to be attorneys or they want to work in a similar field as me. So I think just having people in my life and surrounding myself with people who encourage me and who I can encourage is super important, which is super basic to say. But I think that's what keeps me going and keeps me working towards wanting to be an attorney. Yeah, sometimes some of the most like basic things, quote unquote, mm -hmm. um, are, are actually some of the most interesting because why is it that it's very important to people people to have relationships? So yeah. I would ask you, like, how do you manage having a healthy relationship? Like, what do you do? Because I know I've had, like, friends um, in the past, and we all have, right, where mm -hmm. it's like, 
one's putting more effort. One's like sending texts or whatever back and forth. And the other one isn't like that makes you feel a type of way. How do you like manage friendships? Um, I think I feel like the closest friends that I have from my childhood or high school or whatever, I feel like the ones that have stuck around are the ones that reach out to me just as much as I reach out to them. So I feel like just having that consistency um, and it's hard too with my friends because, and I have a boyfriend too. So it's like managing all of this at once. And when am I going to study? When am I going to do this? And when am I going to hang out with my friends and my boyfriend and see my family? Um, I forgot the question you asked, honestly. Like how do you manage that? Like <laughs> oh, yeah. make sure that they're good and stuff. Yeah. I feel like just, I, I try so hard to, when I feel like I haven't talked to my friend in a while, just sending them a text being like, Oh, I'm thinking of you or, um, yeah, it's really hard though. You can probably agree. It's just hard to keep up with everything in life and, you know, friendships in particular. But I feel like just reaching out makes people makes people feel special. Yeah. And a lot of people don't do that because of they feel like it's weird, you know? Yeah. But I guess when you transcend that barrier, that is what real friendship is. People that will reach out to you and, and like, you know, be like, just say some random shit. Be like, hey, like, I was thinking you and say some dumb shit. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, does your boyfriend live in town or is it long distance? Yeah, he lives in IV. So that's nice. nice. It's actually funny. We're talking about communication because he's, um, he wants to go into sales. And I'm always like, what is sales? And he explains it to me and I just still don't understand. Is he in calm? Um, he's sociology. Oh, nice. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Sales is interesting. I don't yeah. think I'd want to do sales. I'm good even... though. I'm pretty good. Really? Like at selling a thing? I or? think so, dude. I mean, the way I started this, I started from nothing. And now, like, I, I'm having a firefighter tomorrow. And, like, no way. yeah, or a retired firefighter. That's super yeah, cool. Yeah, but I just, like, marketing to different people and be like, hey, like, um, I had this person on. Like, I think you would like it. Like, would you be willing to come on? And then seeing different people on here, people, they're like, whoa, like, this is cool. I'll do it or whatnot, you know? Yeah. And networking and stuff. I feel like that's the most important thing for starting your own business or podcast mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Just being able to talk to people is important. Yeah. Along the lines with like friendships, what would you say your love language is? Um, I feel like probably words. Interesting. <laughs> because, yeah, I feel like kind of along the lines of reaching out and texting, calling, whatever it is, just like hearing from my friends and loved ones that they're thinking of me or that oh, I saw this today. I thought of you. I feel like that's probably what I like most. And it's hard because some people have different love languages, so yeah. they don't always appreciate that in the same way. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Some is like, you know, spending time. That too. I guess physical <laughs> touch as well. Some people. Gifts. Yeah. I'm a gift giver. Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. Are you a gift receiver though? I don't like the, like the 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 pressures yeah. of it. Same with the words. I don't like the pressures. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Sometimes like, this is too much. <laughs> yeah. I guess it could also be like a cultural thing. Would you say that in your family it, it's like that? or? I don't know. I feel like, yeah, actually probably words. I feel like my parents are always so supportive and they're always kind of telling me that you're doing a great job. Like whatever you want to do, do it, which is awesome because That's I know right. that not everyone has that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably words. Mm. I, I feel like I love giving gifts too, but I, I don't want people to think that they need to reciprocate that. Yeah. So I try to hold off from that, but. Did you grow up with siblings? Yeah, I have a brother. Oh, nice. How was yeah. that like? 
Awesome. I yeah, my brother and I are really close. He is a real or he's just got his real estate license. Um Dang. Yeah, he Money. yeah, he sold his first house actually. What? Dude, that's big, especially right now. <laughs> I know. I know. He has another one listed too, Ooh. which is super cool. Yeah. And he's in Riverside? No, he's in actually his first house was in Riverside, but he's in San Diego. He oh, goes to bad. Hell yeah. yeah, so I'm always like cheering him on, which is cool. Yeah, I wonder what the dynamic is for when you have um, co-ed siblings. Because I have two brothers, and I, oh, I've always really? wanted a sister, right? Like just to understand yeah. that dynamic and stuff. Yeah, I feel like I've always been so. Con- Obviously, we fought, but I always was like, "Oh, he's my cool older older brother," oh. you know. So yeah, I feel like I've always loved having a brother. I I always wonder what it would be like, probably like you'd have a sister, but yeah. I like yeah. having a brother. It's cool. Yeah, that's what friends are for. There's they yeah. again when once you transcend that barrier, <laughs> yeah. you get transcend in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dang. Yeah, it's really interesting the things that people don't want to talk about, and like just even little things like that. Some people don't like talking about the intricacies of how like humans work. Mm-hmm. It always fascinates me how complex humans are. Like the problems, you know, everything that they face. Man, it's just insane. Yeah. And and everyone's so different in that way, too. It's like some people have sensitive aspects and some people just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been in a situation where that has occurred? Like where? Where like someone, you said something and someone's like, what did you say? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I try to have my guard up a little bit just because I'm aware that people, I feel like, I feel like more so the opposite happens where someone will say something I'm like, did you just say that? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm very confrontational too. Really? Will yeah. you, you'll say something? <laughs> oh, I'll say something. Yeah. Oh, if, I, if someone says something out of pocket, they'll hear it from me. Even not towards you? Like you would just yeah. be like an ally? Yeah. That's like I, I feel like there was a situation <laughs> out of fraternity actually. Oh, damn. And yeah, there was a really bad situation. It was a homophobic situation involving one of my friends. She's going to be listening to this and probably laughing right now. But um it was just blatant homophobia and we were like we were in their faces like and then afterwards we sat down with everyone on their exec and they were like yeah we're gonna make changes so we'll see if that happens but like when I feel like when something happens in front of you or at least for me it's just natural to be like are you kidding me and it's like if it's affecting anyone but more so one of my friends like I'm gonna I'm gonna go after them you know (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm always so uh, not insecure, but um, scared of confrontation. Yeah, yeah. I feel like most people are like you know, like it's yeah. it's scary sometimes, especially when it's thinking about like who's watching right now or what are people gonna think of me. Yeah, definitely. I'm more like pick up a piece of paper off the floor type of guy. <laughs> yeah. Like when I'm skating and I see trash on the floor, I'll pick it up. Like from at UCSB, I know oh, there's a yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I just see a bunch of people riding past. Them, I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Doing my part. That's awesome. Oh, how did you feel? I don't know if you saw it. I feel like you did because it was on campus for like a day or two. They had like the abortion sign. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, the guy? Yeah, the guy. Yeah. And they had the like dead baby picture. You know trigger what? Trigger warning. I, <laughs> I actually, I was walking to class one day and I saw him holding a sign on his way to campus. And I was like, oh, do I say something? Like, I don't know if I need this confrontation right now, but... I don't know. I feel like, or do you remember when Charlie Kirk came to our school? Who's that? He's a conservative, not a politician, um, conservative activist, I guess you could say. When was that? I think it was winter quarter. This? Yeah. 
He came to campus and my friends and I went and sat down and we were waiting in line and we thought everyone else would go just to like watch. And then there was a section of people who were there as a joke, kind of just to like boo him or whatever. And so it was crazy just seeing that because I feel like you don't realize, or I feel like I surround myself, everyone I surround myself with for the most part has the same political views as I do. And so I just don't really realize that there's such a big conservative population at UCSB. And so seeing that was like, whoa. (laughs) And everyone came in from Santa Barbara and they were like, the whole parking lot was trucks with Trump flags. And so I've just never seen that on campus before. And it was weird seeing it on our campus. That is crazy. Yeah. you. Oh, man. Yeah, this place is, I would say, conservative, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that. But me personally, I don't mind. Like, I really don't care. That, again, whole purpose of this podcast. Yeah. I'm trying to be unbiased. I have my biases, of course, but mm-hmm. I really don't care. I want to have a conservative on this just to you understand. Should. Like, yeah. I just want to understand. Yeah. yeah. So with the abortion thing, do you have any, You're. I'm assuming you're against or for abortion, yeah. sorry. It's usually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely pro-choice. I have, um, I have a little, I used to have a little pin on my bag and then mm. I have a little sticker on my computer. And one time, actually, someone in my political science class who's sitting next to me asked me, oh, so you're pro-choice? And I replied by saying, oh, yeah, like, how do you feel about it? And he was like, I'm pro-life. And so we had that conversation, which was interesting, but I feel like having those conversations are so important. Yeah. Like I sometimes I, I watched a debate. It was Ben Shapiro. Do you know Ben Shapiro? Yeah. <laughs> it was ben, it was Ben Shapiro and someone else. But Ben Shapiro, as much as I despise him, he totally just destroyed the other person. And so I think just acknowledging sometimes that like sometimes people do have good arguments, even if you don't agree with them. I yeah. feel like just hearing both sides of is so course. important. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I'm the same way. Just like understanding and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm i surprised that like the laws haven't moved towards like, oh, people should just be able to choose. Like if you want to have a baby, keep it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess it's that's what they're backwards. preaching. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I think because there was a technicality in the Roe v. Wade. So they over, overturned it is what I heard in, in my class. There was a technicality that in the amendments or in the Constitution, it actually doesn't protect people under that. Forget which one, but yeah. Yeah. yeah I, when I read that news, I literally, my mouth was on the floor for five minutes. I was just like, huh? We made this much progress that many years ago. And now, whatever, I could go on and on about that. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, but the person on campus, it's interesting. I feel like they're either that specific person is there or there's always someone on campus protesting or whatever. And their sign just has a list of things that they disagree with and you know the list goes on and on it's like everyone on campus could fall on that list so yeah. it's like i just feel like just so hateful I don't definitely yeah i i wish we could all come to like an agreement or i don't know i don't know if even that but like mm-hmm. yeah when it comes to to being hateful i'm like dang like why do you have to take it that far you know yeah. very unnecessary yeah. yeah dang i'm glad he's peacefully protesting yeah for sure i think that's also a cool right you know i don't i really don't mind it it's just it's it's crazy seeing the people reacting like he'll be giving out flyers people like they're like thank you and they just like rip it up and they're like fuck your flyer yeah it's actually it's pretty bad yeah (laughs) i i like it i just think it's cool because i'm like yeah that's kind of funny you know yeah it's cool to see both sides like the right to protest and the response to that is interesting yeah dang 
Heck yeah. Is there anything else you want to touch on that you think your friends would like to hear? Or like people or um, it's like 1 30 so far. Okay. It's 6 39. Oh wow. Okay, that went by fast. Yeah. I don't think so. I feel like my friends are just gonna listen to be like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything out a like a last remark you want to say to anyone or anything? Um I don't think so. Just keep pushing wherever you're at in life. Keep pushing. I feel like I've gone through some times where it's like, what does my future look like? And you just got to keep pushing. Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you thinking of me. Of course. Thank you.